Hello and welcome to the Hope Station. Thank you for pulling in. Today, is, my guest is Dave O'Brien, who I had heard him speak about a hopeless situation that he had in church. We were just in a prayer group and I was just saying this man's story needs to be on the Hope Station because it talks about two things that are very important to me. One is the power of hope. And the second is the power of love. And Dave's going to be talking to us about a book that he wrote and was writing and inspired on marriage. And uh, it's just going to be awesome how he's going to bless so many people with this wonderful story that he has. So Dave, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and what this hopeless situation that you were in that you revealed to me uh, in church. Sure. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, So my wife and I, Terry, uh, we met in high school. As a matter of fact, I took her to the high school prom. And, uh, and so that was really our first date. And we dated for about three years. Um, We were both Christians at the time, actually. And uh, matter of fact, um, our parents were pretty devout Christians. And uh, we got married in the small church that uh, all our parents and my grandparents and everybody went to. Um, and we've been together now for 40 years. This will be our 40th anniversary coming up this year. And, uh, and so through all of that and, uh, and our ups and downs in marriage, Terry and I were always intrigued by watching other couples. As a matter of fact, I taught uh, Sunday school for nine years on marriage, and we began taking couples on mission trips to Nicaragua uh, um, to talk about marriage, but also be missionaries uh, short term. And so we started doing a lot of that, and I was always intrigued by two couples. One is my grandparents, who were married for 75 years, and the other one is my parents, who were married for 56 years. And I wound up with a lot of video. Um, I had my dad's memoirs. They have since all passed. Um, but I had a lot of stuff from them. And so about three years ago, um, I started thinking about my wife and I and our story and our ups and downs. And why are we still together? In fact, I told you in the prayer meeting that we could be divorced every year. It, it, right. it would not be hard. Um, and, uh, so I started writing a book called marriage maturity, giving up, growing up without giving up Mm -hmm. and, uh, a lot of that, um, and writing the book, it allowed me to share the story that you're going to get into here in a moment, this devastating thing that happened in our lives. Um, cause I would never share that testimony cause I was too ashamed. Um, but it Uh. did come on later on, especially writing the book. Well, I, I love number one, that we get intrigued by something like Mm -hmm. God gives us this interest in things that other people might not be that curious, might not be that intrigued, might might not try to figure it out and say like, this is, this is a clue that he has a purpose and he's giving you a passion for, for something. Mm -hmm. And that, that marriage is, as you said, it's so easy um, and disposable to get rid of. And it like breaks my heart. It does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Um, I've seen the hurt of it. You know, mm-hmm. I lost my marriage, but not my, by choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe it was Joe's choice. I'm always trying to think. Yeah. <laughs> Did you choose to leave? Early? Yeah, that's, that's a tough one. I understand. Uh, 
to do that. So why do you think you were intrigued by marriage? Are you like a, like a hopeless or hopeful romantic? Like what make you, you know, intrigued I, by marriage? That's interesting, you know, because Terry and I married young. We were both 20. And, um, you know, I was uh, went in the army and I was uh, on the path to becoming an architect, uh, getting educated and all that in school. And I just didn't have enough money. So and I would never think of asking my parents for the money, you know. Um, but uh, my dad said, hey, about the army. So I was an architect in the army, actually, for a small time. And so when we were together, immediately we were moved away without family or any of mm-hmm. that. It was just we were dependent on each other. And okay. since we were Christians, we went to church every Sunday and uh, we were we were dedicated to that. Um, and so I, you know, I think we both saw we had the support of my grandparents and my parents and Terry's parents who were also married for some time, her parents as well. And they were always supporting us, always talking to us about marriage. And at some time, you know, in our life, um, I just said, you know what, Um I, I've got to make a decision because I got saved when I was 16 and it wasn't until 30 when I really, where Christianity came alive. You know, there was a gap between 16 and 30 where I was just going through the motions, really, you know, and, and, and I was married and we were happy. We were ups and downs. We were going to church. We we're just kind of the typical family, really. Um, but someone took me aside and began to disciple me. And when you talk about the hope station, your thing you have going here, um, that was a change in me. That was a hope that all of a sudden what I was doing as a Christian all of a sudden became alive. Now my hope of, you know, going to heaven and all this of becoming a Christian just totally became real, right? You can have hope and just sit in your chair all day, or you can have hope and actually <laughs> make a difference, right? Absolutely. You know? And that's what you're doing. You're making a difference. Um, and so, yeah, so as I as I started to get into that um, and going on mission trips, Terry and I always went together. Whenever there was a short-term mission trip at our church, we always went as a couple. No one else did. And that bothered me. I was like, this seems strange. Why would you leave your spouse at home? And I understand we have kids, we have jobs, you know, all the dynamics. Right. Is that really important? Why wouldn't you take your spouse? Figure it out, you know? And so it kind of intrigued me. So then Terry and I started mentoring young couples. We started having them come to our home and just talk. And then I realized, wow, we all have the same problems. We really do. It's okay. just how, what's your attitude about it? Okay. You know? So what, what were some of the problems that you saw that you felt like could be universal as far as couples are concerned? I would say the number one biggest thing, Diane, is that couples start with something small, a little tiny problem, and it's not addressed. And it's bigger and bigger and bigger. And I always say one of the biggest things that cause divorce is the TV remote. You know, of course, that's a joke. But the point is, you know, it's going to be something small. You know, it's going to be something you don't even think about. You know, you turn on the right. TV. Well, what do you want to watch? What do you want to watch? Well, you always get to watch what you want to watch. And also, you got an argument. And then that argument, well, I'm going to sleep on the couch. And then all of a sudden you sleep on the couch. And then all of a sudden what was something so simple becomes so Mm. big and overwhelming. And then some, you get to a point where you've said things you regret saying, and it's hard to turn back. Okay. And that was a big part of writing this book, Marriage Maturity, because I started to feel, Terry and I both did, that marriages weren't maturing. 
So a mature marriage would look at that situation and say, oh, wait a minute. Oh, let's stop. You know, I get it. I'm sorry. It's your turn. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And not let that little thing. You get to watch the Hallmark channel. There (laughs) you go. (laughs) But I will say this. God was working in Terry and I for big things. And I've always believed that. I've always had the hope of that, that I'm not just on this planet to take up a seat, right? I'm on this planet to stand up, make a difference. And as an architect, I've done that in my career. I've been an architect. I've been in this business for 40 years. So I've got buildings standing that I've been involved in and I've made a difference. As a Christian, you know, I wanted that same thing. And marriage just seemed to be the thing that was all around me from my parents and grandparents and wife and her parents. And it was just all around us. And people were coming to us because I think they saw something in us. And they were asking us questions. Well, how do you guys this? And how do you do that? And and so all of a sudden, there, there was this information. But but one thing happened in, in our life um, where God was like, okay, I, I love you. I believe in you. Um, I'm going to see, I'm going to put you, I'm going to give you a little test. Okay. Um, because, and I believe in this. I believe in tests by God. I really do. Um, when I was writing this book on marriage maturity, don't you think that we were attacked, attacked, attacked because we were trying to do something for marriage? Yes, we were. Again, my attitude is the difference and considering the source. So through all of that, God gave us a little test. Uh, and I, I believe that that's true. And this is where I, I want to go back a little bit is that when we get married, you know, I remember being that young and in love and you feel absolutely invincible, like nothing is ever going to challenge or change. It's going to be the same. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that there's a lot of people who want to be honest with how difficult trying to merge two separate human beings and merge them into one Mm -hmm. that they can go through the hard times and the easy times and never lose that love, but realize Mm -hmm. that every, like you said, every word that you say, every decision and choice that you make is going to either bring you closer together or push you apart. Yes. We don't see it. And I think the other part, and I, I know you'll talk about this too, is that, the devil wants to divide us immediately. Right. His, his job, his role, he believes, is to, to seek and destroy. And that bond of marriage, how essential it is, not only for us as, you know, as a couple, but of our families, of our communities, it says so much. Mm-hmm. So it's just that thing in love is hard. Yeah. It's, it's hard work. And I think that that's where we don't want to do the hard work. Yeah. It's so many parts of our life. We don't want to do the hard work. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, and I say this, okay. Um, I kind of, and I agree with what you're saying, marriage being hard work, but it's loving work. Yes. There's always been a statement that said, if you love what you do, if you love your job, you never work a day in your life. Right. (laughs) And, and so to me in marriage, you have to let yourself go. When the Bible talks about submitting one to another, what that means is that we open up to each other. We have to be open to each other, right? Okay. And that means that we have to discover one another's differences. 
We have to analyze each other. Terry and I are complete opposites. My parents, complete opposites. My grand, absolute opposites, right? Terry's very detailed. She's accounting background. She, you know, she loves the details. I'm more creative, talkative, you know, and, and, but because of our opposites, we love that when we're dating and when we're first married, but then assume into marriage, it starts to divide us. Right. And that's wrong. We should enjoy discovering <laughs> our difference. And here's the fact. Here's the big cool. thing. This is why I wrote the book. Because I figured out that the reason why marriages separate is because they never mature. They have to grow up. You can't keep your marriage young and childish. You have to always be growing. The Bible tells us as Christians, there are carnal and there are spiritual. What's the difference? Spiritual Christians are always growing. They're abiding. They're learning. They're discovering. Their faith is being tested. They're, they're, they're challenging one another. They're, God is using them. They're growing. When marriages become stagnant, then it's headed toward failure. If you wake up every morning and you feel it's just another day, you go to work, you come home, you kiss your wife, you pet the dog, you go to bed. If you feel like your marriage is that, then you need a change. My parents, in the middle of their marriage, moved from New York to California to start over, to get a fresh start. And there's a story behind that because they weren't Christians when they left. And they met Christians in California. And because of my mom, when they came back to New York and her illness, our whole family got saved. And so there's a story there, too, of hope. But... um, but yeah, I think what happens in these in these marriages, these young marriages, is that we have to grow up. We have to begin to mature so that you can recognize the highs and lows and get your attitude right. So when you are in a dip in your marriage, you can step back and say, hey, what, what's going on here? Let's be intelligent. Let's be adults. Let's figure this out together, grow from it, and keep moving forward. But instead, we want to run to the corners and point fingers. That is so true. Just in most um, kind of relationships that we have with other human beings, it's, you know, I'm selfish. I'm still selfish. I'm still trying to work through that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The hard work I've been doing over the last year is like just looking at that, you know, that um, being in a marriage, I'm saying hard work is not like bad work. Like hard work doesn't mean it's bad work. It means like, it can be hard to change ourselves. It can be hard to put someone first. Mm-hmm. It can be hard because we are, as you said, born cardinal human beings. Yeah. And from the time we, you know, we, we enter this earth, we're screaming, demanding, wanting our way, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We just are. Yeah. And yeah. that's where, that's the immaturity. And that the fact that you're talking about, you know, we need to grow up. Mm-hmm. So that can be at any age that we, we hit this almost like this tipping point of saying, are we going to grow up in this marriage? Because we can't continue to, to move forward the way we've been doing things. We have to see things differently. We have to see right. one another differently. We right. have to say that this is worth it. And people always think, well, it's going to be easier the next time and the next time and the next time, and it's not. You're just bringing that baggage, and now the baggage of all these other relationships right along with you, which right. makes it even harder. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting in the book, um, and uh, um, 
the first eight lessons are about you. You have to understand yourself first. Yes. And the eight lessons are responsibility, which you have to say, you know what? I'm in. Okay. I'm not waffling. I said a vow. I'm in. That's yes. very mature, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. I'm in. I'm in. Second, responsibility requires sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So now that I'm in, I have to sacrifice. You decided to do this podcast. You made a commitment. You're responsible to it. Now you have to sacrifice something to do this, right? right. And so sacrifice is very important because if you think you're not going to sacrifice, then then you've got another thing coming, right? Yeah, it's all Thirdly, like gimme, gimme, gimme. Yeah. Well, so responsibility requires sacrifice. Sacrifice takes the right attitude because now that you've got, you've committed and you've given up something, now you've got to enjoy it. You've got to go in and say, you know what? I am in. I'm happy, right? I'm going to do this. And your attitude comes from many directions, what's being fed into your mind. You know, you've got to look at carefully about what's going into your mind, garbage in, garbage out, right? So some things you have to just stop, right? Right. And that's, again, maturity. You know, you got to go in and say, hey, I'm an adult. What am I going to put in my brain, right? And so that's number three. Then your attitude leads to godly decisions. Because if I've... If I'm responsible, I've given up something, I have the right attitude, I'm going to seek godly decisions. And that's huge because now I'm making decisions with wisdom, which God God gives to us liberally, right? I mean, abundantly. <laughs> um, and uh, And we're going to take the time to make decisions as a couple. I'm not going to rush out. You're not in a hurry, right? So fourthly is decisions. After that, Decisions strive to be free from debt. And this is a biggie, not financial debt. I talk about this in the book. It's debt of time. In marriage, you are so busy. You're so tied up in all your commitments that you have very little time left for each other. Right. There's a big dynamic in my book about my dad's upbringing and my mom's. My mom, they were very family oriented. My granddad worked hard, but he only worked what he needed to work to be home for his family. Mm-hmm. My dad's grandfather, my dad's father ran a hundred acre farm and he was never home. And so um, having time uh, for your spouse is a debt, right? Um, and so that's a debt that you have to give to your marriage, right? You got to make the time, right? And so I said, responsibility, sacrifice, attitude, decisions, debt, and then also love, right? Once you have the time, You've got to love what you do, right? And love is an action. It's not emotions. It's not all the fruit. Right. Um, and then after love is holiness. Because once you love something, then you're going to want the best for that. And God tells us to pursue holiness. That's a commandment from the Bible. Why is that a commandment? I mean, how do you pursue? I'll never be holy. Oh, my goodness. No. Right. But we want you to pursue it. Right. After it. Right. It's not about the end game. It's about the process. And same thing in marriage. In marriage maturity, in my book, it starts the day you're married and ends the day you die. You will not accomplish it. It's impossible because it's always ev- always evolving, always growing. Right. right? Who's is. the perfect it's- Christian? There isn't one. It's evolving. Yeah, who's, who's right? the perfect spouse? Yeah. And one. so then holiness leads to your testimony. And if you have a testimony, and that's where I am today. I'm sitting here sharing with you. Uh, my testimony on your hope station, because 
This is God at work. And I think that that when we realize that God, you know, for us believers, that God created us, man and woman, he created us to be a union, to come together and be a union. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love how, I don't know if you've heard our, our Pastor Craig say this, it's like marriage is like you put two two jagged rocks in a bag and keep them shaking up for 40 and 50 years to take <laughs> off those rough edges. Yeah. And when I'm hearing you say that, I'm going, that, that's what Dave's process here is talking about. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting how you you the steps that you put into place mm-hmm. where so often we think of step number one should be love. Why is that <laughs> lower yeah. on the list? <laughs> Why is that lower? Mm-hmm. You know, us, us romantics, you can't be watching the Hallmark Channel. Saying, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all about love and, you know, that, uh yeah, yeah. I, and I talk about that, you know, about understanding love um, and not probably the way you're thinking, because um, if you love something, you're going to you're going to devote to it. Um, right. I spend time on something that I'm going to love it because I'm investing my time. Um, it's interesting you say that because the Bible talks about two becoming one flesh. Well, it's not which one of the two. It's both. <laughs> it's a combination. Right. 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 And so what happens in marriage, though, we want to pick one, you know, well, it's going to be I'm going to be the one, you know, of the two. Right. It's about both of you becoming one. It's a combination. And you have to discover. I quickly discovered Terry's talents and her attributes and how how good she was at the finances and and the details. And And it's funny. Here's a little hope story. A little side note. Okay. Um, we were, we were getting insurance for our home, changing our insurance, right? And the insurance company, um, had me fill out a document and I, I and they were like, Oh, you need to sign this DocuSign. Well, I had her on the phone and said, so, Okay, no problem. And she emailed it, but she accidentally emailed it to Terry. Terry didn't need to sign this, but she accidentally sent it to Terry. So I'm like, Oh, honey, um, the insurance company, they're on the phone that we need, I need to sign something. They sent it to you. And she pulls it up. Well, lo and behold, she's got to read the whole document. Me, I'm just ready to click on the I got sign done, you know? I'm the clicker. Okay. Oh, she, and, and I'm sitting behind her the whole time. We got this lady from the insurance company on the phone. And I could have gotten angry, right? Because it's not me. I'm ready to sign this thing. I just went through it all, right? But she had to read it. every page. And I sat behind her and I had a grin from ear to ear, Diane. I was so excited because I said, this is why God has put us together. She (laughs) took the time to read it. She felt good about it, signed it. Off we went. No harm done. We could have easily been in an argument. Listen, you know, but that's maturity. I had to learn. I got to, I got to be patient here. The two becoming one is not which one. It's both of us. And (laughs) Terry's a part of that. Right. And so there was a nice little, you know, and God will do that. I love, I love that story because there is a time that when we, you know, opposites attract, that's the truth. It it just is the truth. But then it can cause, as you said, so much friction within that relationship. Right. And when we do have that maturity, because I would have um, a couple of my nieces would say, well, how, how can you just stay? in love with uncle Joe after all this time, I said, every day I wake up and I say, I love this man. I'm going to love this man. 
And yeah. is it always easy? Absolutely not. Because yeah. there's times like, you know, when's it my turn to get that yeah. channel changer? When's it my turn to make this kind of decision? And yeah. one of the things oh, my sister and I started using in, you know, the span of eternity, is this decision really going to matter? Right. And we were saying that to like negate, like, it's no big deal. Just let it go. But the other thing is in eternity, you know, if we're being judged and saying, you know, that little decision that you needed to have your own way, we never know what the trickle down effect of that's going to be, how that right. can break someone's spirit, how it can break someone's confidence. We don't know. So that maturity of being responsible, like saying, I'm being responsible for this other person's mental and physical and spiritual and emotional health. It's mm-hmm. very different than like, well, this will be fun if we get together and, you know, no, this is very different. Yeah. So talk a little bit about this test that um, God put you through. Yeah. So, um, uh, and I would say that it's been many years. So it's been, uh, I think in 2008. So it's mm-hmm. been, what's that? 12, 14 years. 15. No, 15. 12, Thank you. 14. <laughs> I'm an architect, not a mathematician. Uh, um, 14, yeah, 14 years. <laughs> yeah, so um, so it's been a while. Um, but I remember one time sitting down with my granddad. And in, in, in the book, um, there's a lesson called A Cup of Coffee. And my granddad loved his coffee. And he would sit down with anybody and have a cup of coffee and just talk. It was amazing. He was just, that's just the way he was. And I had many cups of coffee with my granddad. Um, and so... I remember sitting down with him one time and, and things were just great in our life. Terry and I had a beautiful home. We, our business was good. We, our kids, everything was just going well. Um, and uh, we were active at church. We were doing mission trips. We were doing everything that we thought we wanted to do. Well, um, so I remember sitting down with my granddad's cup of coffee and he said, wow, you, you, everything looks so great. You know, you guys are doing so well. And I said, well, granddad, God can, God brought it. God can take it away. Blessed remember, be the name of the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember saying that, but did I believe it? There's a difference. Mm-hmm. And because things were good, right? Right. Well, it wasn't too long after that. And I don't know how far, I don't know, years, months, I don't know. But it wasn't too far after that where things started to go crazy in 2008. Where yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah. And I, Terry and I were heavily invested in real estate. Um, I was developing, you know, from a responsibility side, we paid our bills. We had good credit score, good money in the bank. We even had a nice emergency fund. We were doing everything right. The problem was I got, I was heavily invested with some partners and we were in big for millions of dollars. Well, long story short, everything crashed and came tumbling down. To the point where it was out of our control. And what was very difficult about this test was nothing we did wrong. We did everything that we thought we needed. We even had an emergency fund. We were prepared for things. Well, what happened was um, through all of the crash that happened and all of the the, uh, real estate and all that, we lost a lot of money. Um, Matter of fact, pretty much everything we had and we had to file for bankruptcy. And I remember the day when we lost our home. Um, and again, Terry and I have been together now 40 years. So this was 14 years ago. So we were married 26 years, right? Mm-hmm. Put yourself in that situation. 
All of a sudden, we had about $1,000 to our name. And that's it. No home. We were able to keep our car. And that was it. And I laid on the ground uh, when we packed up our house, crying, looking up in the sky, and I saw three falling stars. Immediately, I said, you know what? This problem is bigger than me. God is in control. And so Terry walked over shortly after, and she said, get up off the ground. You know, what's your problem? You know, let's keep going, you know? And and I was like, wow, what a wonderful wife, you know? And so I knew who my friends were. I had my parents helped me pay for the move. I had a really good friend gave me a place to stay, us a place to stay. Um, and, uh, and then I borrowed some money from my best friend. And, but we were totally um, in a situation where my wife could easily have left me and said, I didn't sign up for this. Right. We had all this money. We lost hundreds of thousands of dollars, but all this money, we had this beautiful home and it's all gone. There mm-hmm. is hope because we had, we were, we were faithful Christians. We believed in God and we believe that God would do what God does, right? Strengthen us, grow us, build our faith. And what through all of this, we had to cling to one another. Mm-hmm. And I remember standing in front of the judge when we filed bankruptcy, Terry and I holding arms together and, and the judge dismissed everything and how we left that courtroom, just hugging, loving one another. But we also felt liberated. We were like, you know what? We're free. We're free. <laughs> you know, and I would say this and kudos to my wife. She never blamed me once. She totally supported me. We never blamed God. We never wondered why. We just moved forward. And we had a business and that business didn't suffer. That business was, was a good business, my architecture business. Well, God started to bring it back quickly. Once we kind of went through that, and I think God saw our attitude and, and how we were, um, mm-hmm. God started to bring it back. And all of a sudden it was building, it was coming back. Business was good. And I just didn't have all the other things in, in behind me that now I can look back and say, wow, I'm glad we went through that. Because you think that when you're doing really well, you want to do better. So I'm just like, well, let's up the bar. Let's yeah. let's have a business now. Let's be an investor. Yes. And you can yes. see that, that we get, um, I don't even know if it's, I'm not going to use the word greedy because this is your story, not mine. But I look at different times that you almost sit back and rest on your, your laurels, whatever they want to call them, saying everything's good. Nothing's going to stop. We're on the train. We're moving ahead. Yep. Perfect life. Oh, we're so blessed. And then to realize that like, uh oh, here it comes. Yeah. And can you withstand that test? I, I think I think you made a great statement there, Diane. And the fact is, and I write about this in the book, that couples try to be more than they are. My grandparents, 75 years of marriage, I'm writing a book about them, and I hope this book becomes big because I want everyone to know their story. I really do. It's amazing. When they, on their 75th anniversary, there was no big to do. And when they passed, there was no big to do. They were just nice people that lived a wonderful life and they were Christians and they're in heaven right now, just praising the Lord. They were just simple folk. They were never more 
than that God wanted them to be. Sometimes we get ahead of God and we want him to come with us instead of letting God go first and following his lead. And I would say that in marriages, you've got to be who you are, who God has assembled your marriage to be. Don't fake it. You can't try to be more than you are. Don't drive the BMW when you need to be driving a Honda. Terry and I have two Hondas in the garage. We're fine. We've had yes. BMWs and Lexus and Mercedes. You know what? They don't bring me any joy. No different than that Honda that's paid off. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying, you know, this because I think it's big. And of course, it's, it's a big part of the book is, is understanding. Maturity understands that you're not little kids want to be Superman. Right. right. You know, adults got to learn that. Superman, you got to put that away. And this is just who I am. And it's okay because this is where God wants me. Yes. That is, that is so beautiful, especially when you feel like marriage and life is become a competitive sport. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, what you have. And I think that, you know, I was doing an exercise today on uh, and looking at the sin of covetedness of how mm-hmm. many of us want we want that ideal marriage. Like you and Terry are a beautiful couple. I know them from my church. I volunteer mm-hmm. with Terry, so I know her. They're a beautiful couple. You know, they they just are, you know, and they look like they have this beautiful life. And then you realize that they've had their own hardships, their own challenges, and that rather than let that tear them apart, which is so often what these challenges are, you know, they are tests. What are you going to do with this? You're going to get up on the floor and keep going. Or are you going to just lay there and mm-hmm. be taken out and, mm-hmm. and not, not look up. And mm-hmm. it is when you see that, that we're, we're in that comparison that they look happier than we do. They have better clothes than we do. They have whatever. And I love that, that simpleness because that was my in-laws. They had mm-hmm. a, a remarkable and beautiful love story as well. And it was, they had nothing. They had nothing, mm-hmm. nothing. And one of the things that I thought was so beautiful is um, we were taking our mother-in-law out for her birthday. I forget I forget what year it was, but her my fa- father-in-law had passed away. Here's our mother-in-law sitting there. And her one of her sons said, Mom, did you ever regret having these 10 kids? And she said, look around this room. I have something that not one of you will have. I have all of you and you have your big houses, your fancy cars, your nice vacation. And Joe mm-hmm. and I were going to Barbados. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and I just heard that, that her, she knew what she had. Like you said, mm-hmm. she had this simple life mm-hmm. that they struggled probably their entire marriage financially. Mm-hmm. They have these 10 kids. They're good mm-hmm. kids. I love my in-laws. I, I you mm-hmm. know, they were just such a, a different type of marriage than my family who, you know, my dad had, they had money, but they, I felt like they were always, there's friction where I could just see my mother-in-law after her husband had a stroke at 59. Mm-hmm. So now he's not working. She's never mm-hmm. balanced a checkbook. She didn't know how to drive. Well, she didn't know how to drive. She chose not to drive. He did the shopping. He, they didn't even have like a washing machine until the dryer until my husband went and bought that for them. And she just, she, she went and learned how to do this. Yeah. She went and learned and she was dedicated to him. Mm-hmm. 
to take care of him. She would grind up his food. They would sit and hold hands watching their shows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just this like simplistic love story where we want, you know, maybe Hallmark has sort of corrupted our mind of what love should look like. Love should look like I'm grinding my food. You're drooling. You mm-hmm. can't even talk to me or walk. And I'm yeah. holding your hand and thinking, aren't I the luckiest woman in the world? That, now yeah. that, where everyone should be pulling into that hope station. Amen. I, yeah, my, you know, I, my mom, um, she got a, a disease at age 24. And they said she wouldn't live much past 30. And my parents were married young. So here they, you have two 24-year-olds that my mom now has a disease that they don't expect her to live long and and not have any kids. She had me at the time, but then she wound up having two more, but she lived to 74. My mom and dad made a commitment at age 24 that my dad would be her caregiver and would take care of her no matter how long she lived. And, and she would fight through the illness to the best of her ability. And, uh, um, and, and not, you know, there were things she could have done that she decided not to do. And that's a big part of the book, too, is that story. Talk about a great story, because my mom carried a burden. A burden is something you're given. A sacrifice is something you have to do, right? You have to act on. My mom had a burden that was given to her. She didn't ask for it. It was given to her. She lived with this burden till the age of 74. But it was because of this burden, somewhere around the age, I don't know what her age might have been, she was on, she was, she was dying. She was in the hospital. My grandmother picked up a phone book, put it on churches, called this church. It was an independent Baptist church. The priesthood came out. They got saved. Long story short, I got saved. My dad, my mom, just went through the whole family. It's because of that burden she lived with. And you can't say to someone, well, mom, you got that burden. You know, it's for all of us. You know, she lived with that and she made that sacrifice. But my dad sacrificed to be her caregiver the whole time. And when she passed, um, he was heartbroken. He put his hand, yes. we were all at her home in Savannah. He put her hand on her and said, I'm going to miss you. You were the best wife a husband could ever have. And the tears, oh my goodness. And my dad only lived three years after that. Um, he got mm-hmm. COVID, but he died of a broken heart. Oh yeah. I've got his letters that he wrote just before he passed away about how he felt at the time. And they're in the book. Um, it's toward the end. Um, they're just such heartwarming I, I aspire to be that kind of husband someday. And you're right, because I, in the book, I talked about wants and needs. Needs, uh, wants are something you you have a lot of when you first get married. I want this, I want that, I want a new house, I want blah, 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 right? Yeah, yeah. Needs are something that are to sustain your life, right? And they reverse as you get older in marriage, because then you realize, I need my spouse. I need them to <laughs> yeah. take care of me. I need... I need God. I need to go to church, you know? And so your, your wants and your needs flip because you don't really want the big car anymore and all this. It doesn't matter. It's a different dependency. (laughs) Yeah. And there's this whole switch and kind of interesting uh, in your marriage is that starts to happen. I can sense that in Terry and our marriage. And, and that's why we're really excited about what's coming on with the book and what's happening. Of course, talking to you as well and our story. Um, But, you know, we're also thinking about going to Europe for a while just to explore life together. Um, and really um, challenge one another again uh, to keep our marriage active and growing. That is awesome. So just if, for, for let, let's talk about um, three different stages of marriage. That beginning stage, if you had to say, 
this is the recommendation I make to you. You're just starting out. This is the number one thing you need to know about marriage. What would it be? Wow. That's a great question. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, so first of all, I would say newly married couples have that blind love, right? Where, where it's all about learning new things about one another. There's this total respect for one another. You know, there's all of this, you know, they can't do anything wrong. Right. And so, you know, I would say as a young couple, you know, um, you know, clinging to each other, and maybe understanding the differences early on would be a benefit. Um, and trying to uh, communicate those differences to one another, you know, really understanding because Terry and I, I there's been a huge evolution in our marriage. You know, right. we got married young and then we were on our own. And I think what happens is in couples when they're young is they want to, they, they, they kind of break up a little bit and depend on family too much. Right. Call, okay. I'm going to call my mom. I'm calling dad. You know, what do we do here? What do we do? You know, you need to <laughs> you depend. You were nice to me, right? Well, you have to be dependent on each other. Yeah. Because yes. think about it, right? So, so you're newly married. You have not had your first argument yet as a married couple. Maybe you did when you were dating, whatever. Um, but as a married couple, now that you're, now that you're together. So these little things are going to start to come and hit you when you're young and what is your response? What is your attitude? And I think understanding that talking about it as a young couple, that would be pretty powerful. You know, saying, Hey, we're not going to call mom when we run into trouble. We're going to work it well, out. I, and I think that we forget to do that. We're going to leave our families that we are going to cleave mm -hmm. together. And I remember, yeah. you know, I was younger than Joe and there's time to say, you know, we, we need to cut the ties. Yeah. And it was that feeling to say that you do, Yes, you you need to uh, come together as a couple and grow and and strengthen one another, and so that because the rougher times are going to come. Yeah, you now need that foundation. Children. Yes, yes, the children mm -hmm. come. <laughs> the great yeah. dividers. The great yeah. dividers. I they're going early in our marriage. Terry and I, I always made it a point to get away alone, and I know a lot of couples do this that we've talked to. Just get alone without the kids. And we were criticized for that by, by other couples. Like, oh, I could never leave without my kids. Oh, well, I you know. know what? Your kids are dependent on your strong marriage. Yes. Right? And yes. so you've got to have that strength. Now, now here's an interesting part. You talk about the second stage of marriage. Yes. Um, uh, Middle years. Is, well, so this, this is the fun. I, I, I have my granddad on video. I said, granddad, what's the secret to marriage? And I have him on video. And he said, a good woman. And I <laughs> laughed, you know, and. And so later on, I said, what do you mean by a good woman? Everybody would want a good woman, right? Whatever your <laughs> definition is. And he said, let me tell you what it is. He said, your grandmother has a role in the house. And she knows what it is. And she loves doing it. And in that society back then, you're talking about the 40s and 50s. And, you know, oh yeah, she was the housekeeper. She cooked. She stayed at home. If my granddad laid one foot in her kitchen, she would shoo him out with a broom, right? And I was like, get out of here, Charles. This is my kitchen. I will cook dinner, you know. Right. Today's world, that's kind of flipped, right? We kind of all kind of mesh depending on what everyone likes to do. But I thought this was interesting the way he said that and applying it to, the, to a middle line of your marriage. Right. I, I, Terry and I kind of went to each other, kind of middle of the road and like, are you doing what you want to do? Are you doing what you want to do? Because okay. sometimes I think ladies get stereotyped 
in a marriage, kind of midstream is like, okay, you're going to do this, but you might not like it. Right. And so therefore you're not a happy person. And I, this is one thing I love about my grandparents. My grandmother never complained about how much money my granddad made. They would just make the garden bigger, can more vegetables or do whatever <laughs> it took. She never said anything. She just said, whatever, whatever. As long as he provided, whatever he provided, we would adjust. Okay. That's amazing. So he, she was in a role that she loved and he loved her for it. That was his definition of a good woman. It was pretty interesting. And, uh, and so midstream, Terry and I were like, okay, I think I'm going to head down this path. I'm, I want to do this. You know, we always struggled with should Terry work or not, right? There's always that two income thing and, and it's really tough. And sometimes it's sometime in that mid stage, you got to step back and say, is this where God really wants us? Are we being effective for the kingdom of God? The number one decision you make when you make a decision as a couple is how does it affect the kingdom of God? The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things will be added unto you. So whenever you make a decision, how does it affect the kingdom of God? Make sense? And the kingdom of God. That's a powerful question. Well, in the kingdom of God are God's people, right? Well, it becomes an easier answer too. Yeah. That we we can get all twisted because society is turned upside down between, you know, what the kingdom principles are and what earthly principles are uh, to do all that. And it is the struggle of roles. You know, what, what do you like to do? You know, there's times that I could say, oh, Joe, you know, can you cook dinner? He was horrible. He was better at just taking me out to dinner. <laughs> 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 Don't make dinner. Hey, you know, and man. having those roles that, that I think that that conversation has to even start earlier on. Yes. You know, what are yes. those things that you like to do? It doesn't have to be traditional, but it's, again, right. working on what, what your strengths are, what your passions are, what your interests are, and not saying that it has to go down some predetermined list of this is what a husband does and this is what a wife it might be something very different but being willing to have those conversations to say i want to support you in doing what you do best right and then you support me in what i'm doing best and sometimes you have to hire people in between (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) it's interesting (laughs) if you can figure that out you know of what because if you get in your marriage and you're 12 years in or more or something and you're both just not in your zone where god is right wants you to be but you're doing it because you got to do it to pay the bills it's going to come to an end some point you're going to eventually blow up and say i can't take this anymore and then nobody right now because it's too big and you've got to stop somewhere and say, you know what? I went back to college um, shortly after the crash. And I got another year of college. I graduated from Syracuse <laughs> University School of Architecture. But anyway, um, you think, what? Really? And, and in the beginning, Terry helped put me through college when we first got married uh, after the Army. Um, but here's what's important when you make these decisions. I talk about it in the book. It's, it's, it's like cause but not like effort, meaning that you have to be like-minded in your marriage. The Bible talks about like-mindedness as Christians. We have to be on the same page in the big scope, 30,000 feet, right? When you make a big decision, you have to be like-minded. When I decided to go back to college and Terry would have to work, we had to agree on that and we had to be like-minded in that agreement, 
right? And then go through the process. But it would be unequal effort because I'm in school, she's working. So our, so you can't compare the effort. You can't say, well, you got your degree. I, I did this, you did. And that's what happens in marriages a lot of time. You don't understand. It's not going to be equal effort. Yeah. But you've got to be like-minded. You don't have to be, you don't have to agree because you're not the same. You said opposites attract. I totally agree. (laughs) But you've got to be on the, let's take church, for instance, right? Right. You've got to agree that we're going to go to church. That's being like-minded about church. Then come the paragraphs and the chapters. So the title of the book, you're like-minded. That's church. The chapters are who you are and who your spouse is. And they may be different chapters. And the paragraphs are how the actions you take. But it's all under the umbrella of an agreement you have with your spouse called like-mindedness. Very important in scripture. If, if Christians can't be like-minded, we'd be all over the planet. You know, our, our, our like-mindedness comes from God's word, right? And that's why in my book, um, it starts with eight foundational mature truths, not opinions. Opinions in this world are causing more trouble than they're worth. I want right. there, Yeah, they're there to divide us. And then yeah. we're, we're, we keep on hearing there's no absolute truth. Well, there is. Yeah. Gravity is pretty much an absolute truth. <laughs> <laughs> I can't breathe underwater is an absolute truth. Yeah. So there yeah. are things that are absolute truths and mm-hmm. we, we want to make our own truth. And when we look back at, you know, when I look at my in-laws marriage and my, my parents' marriage, even though they were different, they both, they, they were gaga over one another. Like in their eyes, you could, you could see that still like that little twinkle there. And they just viewed marriage as very different. It wasn't disposable. They, they were together. They, they took that veil very seriously. And now it's like everything is disposable. You know, we have disposable pens, disposable diapers. You know, we used to have milk bottles that they would come and clean it out and fill them back up. And everything is disposable. Mm -hmm. And we feel like relationships are disposable. And when we feel that relationships are disposable, we feel like people are disposable. And they're not. And that's when you have someone who's walking beside you and saying, I'm with you through thick and thin. You know, Mm -hmm. we're, we're going through some hard times. We're going through some good times. And we're going to come out the other side and go, we did it. You know, mm-hmm. we did this. We let, we got through that test. Yeah. Let me share one thing with you toward the end of the book. Um, there are two chapters or two lessons they're called because you're, you're, you're able to read each lesson in 15 minutes. So they're quick lessons. Okay. But, but toward the end of the book, there are two things. Um, I think this is real important. Um, one is stand up for your belief. As Christians, we have to be doers of the word, not hearers only. We have to stand up and do. But number two, stand up for your marriage. People ask me, why do you love marriage so much? Do you know why? I talk about it. Terry and I hold hands. We pray. We hug. Whenever I meet someone, I tell them, you know what? I'm going on 40 years of marriage. I don't even know this person. <laughs> but And they're like, wow, that's wonderful. Tell me your story. And then it opens up. But what you talk about the most, sometimes you have to think about, is that what you really care about the most? I talk about marriage because I love my wife. I love where we are. I love the ups and downs, the highs and lows, what we've gone through. It's maturity that has brought us through right. it. Not me. It's not me. It's maturity because 
if I, if I were to just step back and be like, that's it, I, I can't deal with this, you know, but, but being strong gets you through the highs and lows. But standing up for your marriage is so vital as marriage is under attack and it will be attacked because if God, if the devil can't have your soul, he wants your marriage. Oh, so he absolutely. Loves to attack your marriage because, you know, it's, there's strength in the, unity of the two of you because you have now have a testimony that can be shared. Right? right. And so standing up for your marriage, if you think about what, what, who's, who have I ever told? I've heard you talk about your husband, you know, um, it's, it's wonderful, you know, and, and people need to hear more of that. They don't need to hear all the bad. Let's hear the good. And and that's one uh, great compliment I got by uh, a couple in our uh, study group that's going through this book. Um, he said, I'll tell you this one thing about your book. It's all positive. And I said, amen. You know, yes, there's highs and lows. The Bible says, count it joy when you fall into trials. Right. And there it is. is. Never, because uh, it yeah. refines you. It really yes. sets you on a different path. Yeah. And I look and I, when I hear, and I, I think I'm super sensitive to it now, when I hear people complain about their spouse. I'm like, I don't want to hear that. Right. Oh, well, you don't know. I said, what I know is I don't have one. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to hear about these little things. We're not perfect. They're mm-hmm. not perfect. We're not perfect. Mm-hmm. But choose love. And even to look who you're surrounding yourself with. Because if you're in a group that wants to, you know, the women are going to go to one side of the room, the men are going to go to the other, and they're convincing about how awful the other side of the room is, that's not going to work. You have to be with people who, again, are like-minded, yes. that want, that believe in uh, marriage, that they believe in the sanctity of it, that they believe in the preciousness of it, that mm-hmm. they believe in love, long-term love. Because mm-hmm. I feel bad when people sort of want to quit, like at that 20-year range. And Joe and I were ready to quit at 20 years. And I'm like, I, you know, I, we, we, we stayed through it. Neither one of us was perfect. We we did that, you know, till death do us part. We, we I made I made it there. It's so easy to say I'm done. And when I look at that, like all the things that we would have lost in those last yeah. twenty years, to say yeah. why would why would we throw it away when we're just we're getting to the really good part, and that is yeah. the part where you can really feel like your best friends. Uh, you want to do everything together. You look at what you built, your family, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And they just want to give it up because they want to have this other feeling of emotional or whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. And not that feeling of saying, I can really just be content sitting here watching. Yeah. yeah. You we, know, I, <laughs> well, here, here's what's interesting about that scripture that I quoted, um, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And, mm-hmm. and again, that's building the kingdom of God, the people of God. Um, and, and all these things will be added unto you. And I often wondered what all these things were. And I know the context of the scripture and I'm not a theologian, but, but let me just share something with you. When Terry and I would go to Nicaragua on mission trips, we would sit down with couples and people that live in huts that are made out of cardboard, that have right. no food, that that are struggling, and they're just happy that we're there. And they're happy, loving people. And you're like, what? They don't have ESPN? They don't have cable? <laughs> you know, and I realized one day that 
These people are seeking the kingdom of God because they're making a difference. So why don't they have food, shelter, and clothing? Because they don't. So I'm like, so something's off. So I realized all these things that will be added unto you are peace, joy, and contentment. Those are the things we strive for in this world. If you're content, you're not looking around to see what else and who and what. If you have joy in your heart, which we're supposed to in the ups and downs, that comes from maturity where you say, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to fight through this with joy and smile because I know the end result who wins. Yes. And the peace in your heart to know that there's hope. Your station, right? The hope station. There's well, hope. Then. Yeah, right? <laughs> there is. Yeah, because I I feel this wholeheartedly. My family is in heaven. And I will tell you this, my mom who is very humble. She's probably in heaven right now, kind of mad at me if you can be that way in heaven, because I'm <laughs> writing this book and it's got her in it. You know, I'm sure somebody said something to her. Hey, your your son down there is writing a book about you. What? I'll shoot him when he gets up here. Um, but um, but the thing is that um, that peace, joy and contentment that we all seek comes from seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, from doing what God lays on your heart. Even if it seems weird, I never thought I would write a book. No way. I never thought I would file bankruptcy and lose everything. No way. <laughs> I never thought I would build buildings as an architect, design buildings. No way. You know, I never thought I would teach a Sunday school class. I never, and the list goes on and on and on. But when you open your heart to God and you trust, and it's called faith. Right. Faith is when you step in not knowing the answer. When my wife will say something to me that I kind of don't agree with, but I'm like, well, okay, she's detailed. I have faith in her that what she's saying, I'm going to believe in it and I'm going to go through with it and I'm going to support her. I'm not going to argue. We're not going to get in a big to-do, right? That's faith. That's faith in your marriage. That's faith in God. And that will strengthen you. Everybody wants to run from that. And then they never get strength. They never build that faith and become strong and whatever it is they're doing. If I, as an architect, never designed a building that had all the degrees in the world, I would have no faith in my ability because I never saw anything stand up, right? (laughs) Same thing as a Christian, same thing as a husband, as a father, right? You make decisions and, uh, and you have the faith in it. And then you have the support. I could never do this alone. I have to have my blessed wife. She is my rock 100%. And although we don't always get along, and I told you we could be divorced every year, um, (laughs) but we refuse to because we're not going to let it get to us. And probably when I leave here, we're going to be challenged because we're headed to the mall. (laughs) (laughs) Shopper now, but I I see different stores now that that they, I call them the man chairs. I, I I hate to shop myself, so I'm not going to bring my husband along to torture him in that process to do that. <laughs> You've given so many rich nuggets. And when we look at that, we do want that joy, that peace, the contentment. And we as a society are out there trying to buy it mm-hmm. and not trying oh, to live so it, true. not trying to say, I'm going to be in these relationships and they're going to give me the joy and the peace and the contentment. And we think, well, oh, it's just too hard. You know, I want it my way. And when you realize that, no, just saying yes, making those sacrifices, like you said, that your your mother was doing, 
um, it, it changes everything. You do have a different outlook on life. And I look around and I'm saying, are they doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have a partner. They have this marriage. They have something beautiful. What mm-hmm. are you doing? Do everything within your power to protect it. Mm-hmm. And one of the persons who's most likely trying to destroy it is you, whether you know it or not. Right. And that's so much about the book that you're talk that you're writing yeah. is it's saying, yeah. be responsible, be yeah. mature. I, I have a saying, the devil didn't make you do it. You made you do it. <laughs> yeah. You want to blame even the devil. Right. So maturity <gasps> is someone who can take criticism and not attack back. Make sense, right? Where you can uh, well, say, think, my wife yeah. can say to me, hey, you know, I think you need to comb your hair. You look so much nicer. <laughs> no, that's, that, that's a tough one sometimes. But the point is a mature person can take cr- critique and, and, and use it to their advantage and not fight back thinking it's an attack. But being immature, yes. sometimes you want to attack one another because, oh, you're what, you know, what are you saying? There's more to this. No, there's not. Just comb your hair. <laughs> Pete, comb your hair. We're still telling our husbands that. Yeah. Oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This yeah. has been a delightful conversation, something that I I love, love. I will always love, love. And, you know, to know to do anything to support people who are struggling in their, their marriages, that there is hope. There is hope. Most people have gone through tough stuff and the they just want to give up and feel it's there's nothing redeemable here. Maybe you don't see it, but I always believe that the, the Lord sees it. He sees that all situations and all people are redeemable. And there are times I'm not saying if you have it, you know, there, there's abuse, there's all types of, of challenges. Uh, but for most divorces, it's not based on that based on finances. It's based on, different agreements about what I want to do with my life and whatever it's based on sometimes selfishness. And to say, uh, I think that Dave and I can both agree. I was married for 43 years and saying it is worth it. It is worth it to say yes to love God's way to say yes to marriage and say yes to, to being the best you can be for that spouse, that choice that you made. Amen. Amen. <laughs> okay. Well, how would they, oh, your book isn't ready yet. So no. what I'm going to do is any, if anyone's interested, uh, Dave, I don't know if you want to give out your email address. I can post that in the show notes. If mm-hmm. you want to, you know, um, even if you want to look that I can post, we'll, we'll talk about this later, maybe like a, a little excerpt from your book on, on the podcast as well. So that people, can see all the richness and value that this uh, book could bring to their marriage. We can do that as well. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. I think um, the book's probably three, four months away from being published, um, hopefully. Um, And uh, I think it's a powerful book because you have the story, but you have the biblical principles and, uh, but there's also the challenge. So you're going to be challenged with this book to make your marriage active. And, but it's one thing it's going to do is going to bring you closer to God and closer to your spouse and uh and and, and so that's win important yeah <laughs> yep yep so yeah thank you very much i appreciate it, it was a lot thank of you. fun yes it was thank you okay <laughs>